Hello and welcome to yet another, I'm so sorry about this, episode of Overdrinkers. Yeah. The Story Screen Presents podcast where I, Mike Burge, the host, it me, I'm the only one that hosts this podcast, gets together with a friend or friends and talks about a movie or movies or pretty much just anything that we really want to, while we are also partaking of some fun, tasty beverages. Um, this episode, uh, we are going to be discussing the 1988 film Hoosiers. Heathers. Oh, Hoosiers. Oh, Heathers. No, it's Heathers. Did you watch Hoosiers? Yeah. Can we talk about that? I mean, yeah, we can talk about Hoosiers a little bit too. Uh, I'm joined today by the lovely and always affable Scotty Arnold. That's me. I'm affable. That's him well. right there. Um, and, well, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Heathers and, uh, we're going to be touching on, um, the TV show, the musical adaptation, as well as, uh, some other pieces of cinema or pop culture that are kind of, uh, in line with Heathers, but this is mainly to celebrate Heathers 35th anniversary, um, which at the date of the posting of this episode was just a couple days ago, I believe, because I think it was released late March and we are releasing this uh, on April 3rd. So we're right around there. We, we hit it just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before we get into all the fun stuff, um, as you guys probably know, uh, Overdrinkers is not the only podcast uh, show on Story Screen Presents. Story Screen Presents is home to a slew of other shows, such as Cathode Raycast, hosted by Bernadette Gorman White, which uh, covers TV shows. Um, and there's Hot Takes, which is hosted by primarily Robert Anderson, but also a lot of us kind of come in there to guest host. That's mainly more newer movies and fresh takes. Uh, there is also um, uh, Freaking Out with Flanagan, uh, which is the show that I co-host with my partner, Diana DeMiro, where we cover the filmography, both movies and TV, of Mike Flanagan. That's really cool. We're getting ready to uh, finally hit into our um, Haunting of Hill House episode, which we've been really psyched about. Um, and also our monthly Story Screen Reports episode, which comes out at the end of every month and is hosted by Robbie Anderson and a special guest each month to kind of go over the five or so big movie-related news uh, stories of the month. Um, so you can subscribe like us you know leave a rating uh, as long as it's five stars like uh, anything below that just like don't even worry about it but if you want a five star that's absolutely great and we really appreciate it and you can check out all those other guys and also over on storiescreenbeacon.com we have not just podcasts but we also have videos and articles that come out um, weekly or monthly depending on which one of those you're more interested in um and yeah loads of really fun stuff we've got a great writing team uh different diverse voices talking about different diverse topics and films and tv shows so you guys should definitely go check that out and follow us on all social medias uh just search story screen story screen presents story screen beacon you'll find us on twitter uh facebook uh instagram we're all over the place um so that's the jab out of the way and um yeah let's uh so first off um as always on Overdrinkers, uh, we have a themed beverage, uh, a cocktail that I have created um, in honor of Heather's. And uh, this one is called the Ram Plus Kurt. Uh, and it, it's a play on a Aperol bourbon fizz. So it is um, bourbon, Aperol, simple syrup, um, blood orange wedge and a blood orange peel. And you top that off with Tapo Chico mineral water. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. And uh, it's actually very tasty. And uh, cheers to you, Scotty. Yeah, cheers. Cheers to you, Mike Burge. Cheers to Story Screen. Mm. That is actually like way more refreshing <sighs> than I thought it was going to be. Bourbon yeah. and Aperol. Who would have thought? Yeah. Ooh. 
All right. So, um, I mean, to get the ball rolling here, um, this is an episode, this is a movie that we've wanted to cover on Overdrinkers for quite some time, me and you specifically. This was your idea when you were like, I'd love to be on the podcast. I'd love to be on Overdrinkers. And whenever a friend of mine says that they want to be on, I'm like, yeah, pick a movie that you would be interested in talking about. You know, it can be a favorite movie or one that just you have a lot of takes on. And Heather's was like immediately the first one that you said. Cats was the that? first one that I said. Heather's was the well, second one that I said, but you well, covered Cats already. Well, yeah, we already covered Cats. So, <laughs> I mean, we could talk about Cats now that we're now that we're on the episode about Heather's. You could talk about whatever you want. You know, Similarities, you want differences. The, yeah. Yeah. We, we can talk about the Jonathan Majors thing if you want. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. We could talk about uh, the Safdie brothers thing if you yeah. want. Like all the all the all the terrible no good men out there uh, doing terrible no good things and ruining our good time. And other people's good time, more importantly. Well, um, let's talk about the the, the the proto of that, though. Let's talk about JD, right? Um, I mean, hey. Hey. Uh, why, Heathers? Why now? Um, uh, I saw Heathers for the first time in elementary school, which probably isn't isn't the intended audience, but um, but was so important for me then as now. Um, uh, and... I loved its worldview. I loved its, it, you know, it was, I mean, in it, I was in the third grade. It was kind of, the, it was, you know, I, I think when it came out, it was the first thing like that that anyone has, had ever seen. But uh, but definitely in the third grade, it was the, the first thing like that that I'd ever seen. Um, uh, and the, um, the cynicism about something that I was sort of hadn't even gone through yet, but was going to go through soon. Uh, was so appealing to me uh, and I think gave me some armor for getting through high school myself in a really great way. Um, And obviously uh, inspired so many things that came after it. I think we, I think, I think high school cinema would not be what it is today were it not for Heathers. Um, Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, the world has changed and made Heathers uh, a different conversation as well. So I'm very excited to talk about all of that. Very good. I mean, um, when did you first I see love, Heather's, Mike? I first saw Heather's probably in high school, uh-huh. so maybe a little bit more appropriately aged. Uh-huh. Um, I, uh, I mean, I, I love dark comedies. Mm-hmm. I love dark comedies that have a you know biting satire um, that really just have fun with their satirical viewpoints and anchor them down in just as much realism as they need to while also having the dialogue just be like out of control Looney Tunes, um, Uh which makes like a lot of the lines in this movie just like really laugh out loud funny for me, which I am. We've talked about this in the past. I am not really a laugher Mm -hmm. when it comes to movies. Like there are specific movies that I grew up with that really do make me laugh out loud. But even when I watch a new movie and I actually find it really, really funny, I don't, usually laugh out loud i'm just like that was funny yeah um but heathers is one of those movies where it's just like some of the lines especially from um winona Ryder's character's dad (laughs) which are just like some of the funniest goddamn things in the world and the bits with like the parents just in general but also a lot of the stuff that the uh that the aforementioned ram and kurt say like Mm. are just like some of just fantastic just shit to have these two dopes say and then all the interactions that they also get in um it's like my cup of tea when it comes to like 
a teen comedy that is also kind of like commenting on a lot of really intense, important and dark shit, but is having like a super light and fluffy time with them, which I think is like why the movie has such a cult status is that it's like even movies about similar things or movies that tried to kind of rip this movie off and kind of do the same thing in certain ways, you know, like, you know, there's like Mean Girls is all over this movie as well, where it's like you can kind of see where that's coming from in that kind of biting satire way. Whereas a lot of people, I don't think, understand that Mean Girls is like 100% satirical. You know, they just think it's a comedy. Um, this one, I feel like everybody is kind of aware. It's like, you know, Christian Slater's walking around with like the biggest gun you've ever seen and just like waving it around in schools and stuff, which is not a great thing now. Um, especially the ending of this movie. Um, you know, I was watching it last night on glorious VHS with my partner, Diana. Yep. And, you know, we were kind of talking about it. We both seen it a lot. We both grew up with it and we get to the ending and we both go, Ooh, right. (laughs) Right now we're going to cover this right now. And it was one of those, I made the same kind of like, jokey observation that is just as dark as pretty much anything that they do in this movie that I have made to like, we're about to cover good time over on the patents and stuff podcast that I do with Bernadette Mm -hmm. on Patreon, which you can sign up for. Mm. Um, And we're finally about to do good time, which is a movie by the Safdie brothers, which I have been super excited to rewatch. Burn hasn't seen it. D hasn't seen it. We're so excited to watch it. And literally the week that we're about to finally watch it, shit comes out about specifically good time and the Safdie brothers making that and an underage woman being treated very, very badly. And it's like, do we cover it now? And I'm just like, look, we can be respectful all we want. And the same thing with the ending school shit at Heather's like, when is there going to be a time to do it? This stuff happens all the fucking time. Unfortunately, like it's always going to be there. It kind of sucks. So and we just kind of get over it and try and uh, take it in for what it is, which is ironic that back in 1988, that was seen as something that was, you know, hugely like fantasy, like dark fantasy in the way like that would never happen. Somebody wouldn't do that. And you're just like, well, actually, people do that a lot now, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Heather's is um, Winona Ryder. Heather's is Winona Ryder. It is. It is. Uh, It is uh, directed by Michael Lehman, um, who is a director of some note, mainly mainly TV. He also did Hudson Hawk and my beloved 40 Days and 40 Nights. Have you seen 40 Days and 40 Nights? I haven't. Is it it beloved? uh, It's my beloved. Okay. 40 Days and 40 Nights is... um, is a Josh Hartnett rom-com vehicle from 2002 where he decides to swear off sex and masturbation for 40 days and 40 nights. But right around then, oh my goodness, he meets Shannon Sossaman and they fall in love. What's he gonna do? (laughs) It's very good. I think you'd like it. I, um, look, I, I, I know about it. I read about it. The poster is great. Um, uh, yeah, the poster is very good. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they knocked that one out of the park. Uh, and then uh, the film is also uh, uh, more notoriously written by Daniel Waters, um, who is a guy who has written a lot of cool shit. But most importantly, he is the writer of such biting satires as Batman Returns, uh, which is a satire in and of itself. 
uh, and Demolition Man, which is pretty much as cutting of futuristic uh, satire as you can get that is pretty much all becoming real uh, as every day passes. <laughs> so he's our, um, he's our modern day Cassandra, basically. He just he, he, he saw it coming and, and he, he stood up on the soapbox and he tried to warn us, but uh, the world just wasn't ready. Um, and yeah, like that's pretty much the, the background of it. I mean, it's interesting that this is like a rated R movie about teens and stuff like that. And there's not a whole lot of like what you would expect there to be out of a rated R teen comedy from like the eighties. Like usually you're going to get like a lot of, um, nudity and like kind of like crass sexualization and stuff like that. And you do get a little teensy bit of that in this but primarily i think the rated r is because of not only the violence that's happening and they don't want kids to actually try and do this um there's also some language in this thing that um was not great back in 1988 and uh some that's not great now (laughs) um i agree with you and also daniel waters uh inventing this high school language is mm-hmm. is one of the coups of this film i think yeah. um in terms of like uh, you know there's, there's a quote from him sort of saying if you if you take notes in the cafeteria then by the time the movie comes out your movie is going to be dated and so he just sort of made up this this vocabulary of of very and of uh can, can i swear on this show fuck yeah great <laughs> Um, and of why are you pulling on my dick and of fuck me gently with a chainsaw and of these, mm-hmm. these, what's your I, damage? What's your damage? I mean, that's, uh, he didn't make that one up, but like that one's used quite a bit. Very is really good. I like very. I like very a lot. I like very a lot. <laughs> I, I particularly like it when, uh, when Kim Walker says it'll be really very. Yeah. Like that's like kind <laughs> of just the funeral. Perfect, it's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the making fetch happen like bit, yeah you know right it's like just right. trying to like push this thing in there and it's also funny now because i feel like every month or two i'm learning about this like phrase or one word that's like slang for something that has already been like beaten into the ground by the teens right of the world and now i'm just finding out about it and i'm like cool now i'm gonna do this ironically for four months but i also really like doing it like i still dab yeah is that you know, ironic like, anymore? I don't know. What honestly, is irony? I think it's like moved beyond that. Like what world we live in now where dabbing isn't just like met with just gratitude and a and, kind nod from a stranger. <laughs> and we brought up Mean Girls twice already. And we should just say directed by Daniel Waters, little brother, Mark Waters. Here we are. Isn't that I mean, great? <laughs> keep it in the family. Yeah. Uh, so... I mean, as far as like uh, the cultural, you know, I, I don't know if like you have anything else that you want to really like say as far as like what this movie has meant for you, like just outside of like how old you were when you watched it and everything. Like, is this is this a movie that you revisit like uh, yes. often? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why yeah. is that? Uh, um, talk to my therapist. Uh, I mm-hmm. think um, I think it, I think this movie does such a great job at um you know daniel waters in in quotes sort of uh, talks about um that the impetus for this film was all of these sort of movies that were coming out uh, that were glorifying suicide in his view um and i think 
it's it's fascinating. I think one of the fascinating things to look at with this movie is to look at sort of the the um, what happens to a movie that uh, that is that is dealing with one thing and then the world changes and it looks like it's dealing with something else. Um, sure. That you know th- this movie was was. Um, one of my, I, I, maybe every line in my movie is my favorite line in the movie, but, um, but one of my favorite lines in the movie is, uh, the teacher saying the, the decision whether or not to kill yourself is one of the most important decisions a teenager can make. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it is on the nose exactly right. And exactly, um, and and so I I grew up in the Bay Area in a, in in a little town called Palo Alto, um, which is not a little town, uh, but um, but Palo Alto when I when I was growing up had some suicides and uh, and sort of shortly after I was there had had sort of massive suicide clusters, um, and I think this film became important to me when. Uh, when going through that and seeing when seeing a high school go through that um, and sort of uh, being able to have a reference point for uh, both the realities and the sort of um, uh, the very dark comedy that's inherent to watching teenagers trying to navigate grief or trying to navigate being adjacent to grief Um uh, whether it's um, uh, Heather Duke going to every TV station or whether it's Martha Dunstock uh, trying to end her own life or whether it's, you know, it's um, uh, you don't get a lot of movies that actually lean into uh, the group think and the sort of cultural implications uh, that a tragedy like that uh, evokes on um, kids. Uh, and I think that this this movie does a great job of uh, exploring that and and did a great job of exploring that in 1987 and 88. And it was um, and I think it's kind of uh, amazing how relevant a lot of what it says still is. Um, and then and then we get to Columbine and then we get to this world that we're living in now. And, uh, suddenly JD becomes not a figment of someone's imagination, but a very real person. Um, and, and the movie reads has the potential to read differently. And I'm, I'm fascinated by, um, uh, I think as somebody who is, who has gone through the, experience of a school dealing with suicide, but, but has not gone through the experience of dealing with a school shooter scenario or anything like that. Um, uh, I have a particular sort of reference point for this movie and, uh, and for me it holds up and I understand how for many, it probably is a little more problematic now. I mean, yeah, it's dealing with very intense, dark, uh, shit, uh, whether or not it was aware of certain aspects of that becoming more commonplace, uh, you know, because like, I mean, suicide was a thing back in 1988. 
mm-hmm. it's been a thing for quite a bit and yes. it still is a thing today and like that's the main thing that it's dealing with is like this kind of teen angst and rebellion and kind of like trend setting and wanting to fit in and popularity and control and power in the the teen dynamic in high school uh-huh. um which is stuff that I think has uh, been around for a very long time, like ever since the beginning of schools, there's been like, you know, variations and versions of cliques and popularity and groupthink and, you know, um, the different types of like clans that are kind of formed in, in, a, in a kind of like educational uh, scenario where it's just like, you know, you're just putting all of these people from different walks of life, like especially as we start getting into public schools and everything, and you start just taking people from all these different walks of life and putting them into this one building and expecting them all to kind of like form to the same educational system. You're going to start getting all these little clans and everything. And like Mean Girls really gets into that. Uh, you know, it's much more about like the kind of clicks and the popularity kind of thing. And have you ever seen the movie Disturbing Behavior? Yeah, of course. Good. Remember, there's that great scene in that, which Disturbing Behavior is another movie that's very much like Heather's in. It's kind of like satirical, dark comedy take on, you know, pretty much that one's like about like honor roll students and like being all that you can be as a high school student to plan for your future. Um, And there's a great scene in it where um, Nick Stahl's character, uh, who's like this kind of grungy you know, um, uh, Judd Nelson from Breakfast Club kind of bender type is going over all the clicks at the school to the new kid uh, played uh, exquisitely by James Marsters. James Marsters? James Marsden. 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 James Marsters is Spike from Buffy. Buffy, that's right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and he's kind of just going through everybody and um, his like partner in crime next to him always has these rhymes after he does each one. And he's like, too chic to peak, you know, stuff like that. Uh, is it like if it's not Breckenmeyer, it's a Breckenmeyer like person. <laughs> it's a Breckenmeyer like person. I remember like finding out who it was because like the character is um, is albino. Oh, that's right. And also like a little like little like fucking like grunge cracker, like, yeah, like kind of thing. And um, I remember finding out who the actor was. Hold on. I'm going to look this up real quick because the <laughs> actor, they're underneath all that makeup and uh, they're mainly wearing like big baggy clothes and a big hat and they don't have eyebrows. So they're very hard to recognize. But it actually is someone who has been in like a bunch of other shits. Uh is it Derek Hamilton? No, Derek Hamilton plays like the the dude. I'm not going to be able to find this right now. I already know it's <laughs> You can Brendan fix it in post. Motor jock. Yeah. I can't find it, but it's um fairy guy. No. This is great. Great great audio. Officer Cox. Andy Efkin? No, no, that's the guy who's like I need my vitamins or whatever. Uh all right, no, never mind. Uh not going to do it right now. Uh but I like that idea of like, you know, it's clicks in high school and stuff like that. And then you just kind of put them into this dark comedy kind of thing and just have them have everything shake out the way that it is. That's been something that's existed for a long time. Suicide's been something that's existed for a long time. And that's mainly what the movie is commenting on. And it's just kind of interesting given the school um, terrorism aspect of it all is in the form of J.D., who Christian Slater is doing his best Jack Nicholson impression in this movie, his God best one by bless far. bless that. And, and I, 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 think that's, yeah. I think that's one of the best 
uh, techniques to get a great teen performance. I think that the 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 two that come to mind are are. Yeah. Uh, can you can you name the second one? That I'm thinking somebody of somebody doing like a Jack Nicholson, uh, somebody doing somebody, somebody in a teen movie, very specifically doing a different adult actor to great oh, acclaim. What do you got? Uh, for me, that's uh, that's Cruel Intentions. Ryan Philippi as uh, John Malkovich is also riveting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. He's, he's doing a John Malkovich thing in that. Yeah. Oh, I love Cruel Intentions, man. Fuck. That was, I, I got to watch that movie again. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Selma Blair head. Sure, me too. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you be? <laughs> um, yeah, it's just funny that he's like part of his entire character is that he's good looking and super charming, and that's how he's able to kind of coax Veronica along in a believable way at first. Until like you're ultimately kind of like when he brings up, he's like, you know, like y- you knew what we were doing, like. The first time is kind of an accident, but like she picked up the cup. And the second time is like, what do you think we were sh- like? What does he call the bullets? Ekluga bullets. Ekluga bullets. Like, yeah, they look Which real. Which means I'm lying just, in German. There you go. Like, exactly. It's like, it's, it's fun. It's fun stuff. But like when he does say, you know, he's like, you knew what we were doing and you just wanted to do it anyway. And this was like your way of being able to go along with it. Like you were just listening to me. Yes, that's pretty much probably subconsciously what's going on with Veronica. But at the same time, as a viewer watching this for the first time, to not think that Veronica is just a complete like patsy in all of this at first, you have to be like, well, why would she listen to JD? And it's like, well, make him look and act like Christian Slater. And it's like, <laughs> well, she just thinks he's hot. She likes it. Like, that's the kind of thing. And it's just this. It's and this when you're, kind sur- of- I mean, spe- specifically, I think when you're surrounded by Heather's, there's something really nice about right. a JD, right? Yeah. And he's like sitting in the corner at his own table alone. He seemingly does not seem to have any other friends. So that's also kind of a spookily foreboding in like the realism, the realism of like where real life events like this are going to kind of sprout from. Um, And it's just it's it's just like a the satire of it all is just like so funny in the moment. And the movie does feel like just so goddamn late 80s (laughs) that it's it's kind of hard to like put it out of your head that like, well, this was made before that. But again, like you said, like that's coming from somebody who did not deal with that type of specific. Like I have never been a part of a high school shooting. So I would imagine that for some, I would imagine that for a lot of people involved with stuff like that, something like that is pretty traumatizing and they don't need to see it kind of like comically portrayed for themes of teen angst in like, you know, a 1988 movie that has Odo from fucking Beetlejuice in it, you know, as a priest. <laughs> um, Eskimo. <laughs> let's, and let's, let's talk for a moment about the, uh, about the, the alternate endings. Um, so Daniel Waters had an original ending for this movie that, um, that got vetoed and he wrote the ending that is that, that everyone knows and loves, um, or doesn't love. Uh, but, uh, his, I'll, I'll give his compromise ending first. Cause I think it's great. Um, uh, Veronica walks back into school after JD blows himself up and, uh, and, uh, Martha, uh, stabs her. <laughs> Martha stabs her and says, fuck you, Heather. And uh, cool. and Veronica on the floor with a knife in her stomach laughs and says, my name's not Heather. My name's not Heather. 
which I think is yes. a great ending. Yes, it's very good. <laughs> um, and then and then back to the original ending that um, that got vetoed hard was that JD does blow up the school and the final scene is in heaven and it's a school dance and everybody's getting along. I mean, he does say, I mean, that's, whoa, hey, that's, yeah, problematic. Because I mean, that's also like one of the funniest lines in the movie, too. What is it exactly? It's like the only place where all of these people could ever get along is in heaven. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's the yeah. Best. yeah. Um, uh, and and those, I mean, for, for like, for me, it, it feels a little bit like Little Shop of Horrors, where it's like, yeah, we, we all sort of got to know the compromise ending. But gosh, I would love to see that original. And yeah. shout out to uh, Jason McLeff and the television show uh, that came out that that tried so hard to come out for so long um, uh, and kept getting delayed because of school shootings. Um, well, and eventually was uh, was relegated to a very strange release um, mm-hmm. sort of leading up to Halloween uh, on on a, on a streaming platform that that nobody really knew about. Um, uh, it was like Paramount before like Paramount became a real thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and they never showed the final episode in the US, but the final episode um, that was fully censored out of our country uh, is is. Uh, a version of the original ending of the movie of Heather's. And so like the season just covers the movie. The season. Um, look, I spoilers ahead. Um, the season. Uh, I updates the movie, I would say um, sure. the C and, but the season. Uh, yeah. Has, has a Veronica character and a JD character. Um, and uh and over the course of 10 episodes, things escalate with them at school and it ends uh, with a scene in heaven. <laughs> All right. Was it a CBS All Access? No, it wasn't even that. It was no. uh, it was like it was I think it was Paramount before Paramount Plus came out. Yeah, because I think because Paramount Plus used to be CBS All Access because I had that for Star Trek. And then when they updated it to Paramount Plus, I was like, oh, God, we're changing this again. Like <laughs> That was right around the time everybody started changing these weird ones that they were like, we don't have to put too much thought into this. Right. And now it's like, no, just take the studio name and put plus at the end of it. Unless you're like universal and you're just a fucking madman. You name a streaming platform Peacock. <laughs> insane <laughs> absolutely just fucking nuts heather um, heather's dropped on uh in october of 2018 on the paramount network oh the paramount network yeah Good for them Good for them yeah um, uh and then i mean there's other like kind of like uh cultural like remakes and adaptations and stuff are you familiar with the musical <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, I was just being nice. I was just forming a question in an interview style. Uh, Mike, for, for those who don't know, Mike all often calls me a Broadway bitch. So, uh, yes, I'm familiar with the musical. Um, and How is it? I, I, there's a place in my heart for the musical. Um, it, uh, I think the, the, the thing that it doesn't quite get for me is is what the movie, like, and, and I think what makes the movie extraordinary is... Uh, that it that it sort of walks this tightrope in between uh, like melodrama and like full slapstick. And it's sort of like really um, uh, I don't think it ever falls into one or the other too much. Uh, and I think that the musical 
uh, can't quite find that footing. And so it kind of hops from one to the other. Um, and as a, as, as, uh, as a former emo kid, I'm like fully into the sort of like melodramatic JD Veronica mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, yeah. and as somebody, uh, uh, who, uh, likes likes a little bit more drama in my musical theater than musical comedy. Uh, I, I roll my eyes at a song called "My Dead Gay Son," but um, but it's some people's cup of tea. Uh, and I've, I mean, they had to. It's one of like the they most, had to. Right. Like, that's like what if if there's like top five lines. You know, right. I think everybody's lines would be different, but I think most people's "I Love My Dead Gay Son" would be would be on there. Right. Right. Actually, um, the line that he says before that made me laugh even harder because I knew that I love my dead gay son was coming. So real quick, the, so I watched this on a VHS tape of Heather's that I got a while ago. Sure. And I mainly bought it. I already had Heather's on VHS and I turned that one in and got this one because the cover of this one was just absolutely insane. Um, Can you describe it? I mean, I, I, I meant to like bring it up here and now it's like all the way downstairs. I don't want to go get it. I just Um, want to hear your impression of it. Uh, Heather's VHS cover. No, don't, don't rely on that. I want to hear your memory. I want to hear what it evokes from you. It's, um, instead of like the classic cover, which is like, you know, JD embracing, uh, Veronica in front of like a chalkboard. It's a great poster. Yeah. And smiling. It's very good. This one is like, it's like a collector's edition from like some company that like obviously had a deal, um, with uh, producing the VHS uh, of this movie. <laughs> they they and keep getting put out by Anchor Bay, which is like... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's like, it's one of those movies that's like kind of like up in the air as far as rights. Like a studio definitely owns the rights, but it's all over the place. And this one, like it, on the VHS, like the VHS tape itself, you know, it has like four or five different um, like old school VHS, like like logos coming up Great. that rests on them like forever. It takes eight minutes pretty much to just get through those. And then in one of the most batshit bananas things, it's one of those VHS tapes that fucking plays you the trailer to Heather's before the movie starts. And the thing about VHS trailers they just show you the whole fucking movie. They do. Like the trailer's three and a half minutes long and it's in like chronological order and just shows you all the lines and everything. And me and Diane are watching it like, what? Why? Why? Who these insane people? Why would you do this? But he just said like my dead gay son. I was like, all right, that's right. I, I remember like that's going to come up right there. But the line right before that, he says something that's really funny. Well, it's what it it's like, like. I, I love my son and he's homosexual. I mean, leading up to that, right? Yeah, it's like that. He's like, yeah. it's it's just much more. Just like my home, my like, son's a homosexual and I love my him. Hom- and my I- son's a homosexual and I love him. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, so the the cover is um, classic. Like uh, it's got their names above it. Great. Um, and of course, it's got Shannon Doherty in there. Ooh. Sure. Um, uh, uh, it, which which uh, according to many interviews was the pitch of the set, which is great. I would imagine so. And she uh, like the, I, the there's there's a great uh, Entertainment Weekly has a great sort of like oral history of Heather's, um, where sort of everyone, kind of including her, says like she wasn't in on the joke. Like she she went to see it and people were laughing and she like came out of the theater in tears, feeling like people were laughing at the movie that she was in, as opposed to understanding from the start that it was a dark comedy. Well, okay. She, by the way, was uh, the only person who carried over into the television show. So 
props to Shannon oh, on that one. Well, I mean, what else has she got going on? Not to be <laughs> rude or anything, but but the um the post the the the, the cover is it's that their names at the top. The Heather's logo is that more like kind of golden script one, like you know you can get it written in chalk or yeah. you know like red paint or whatever. This one's like this golden nice stuff, and it's got the three Heather's down at the bottom completely blown out like the white like reflection of the light on them you can barely make out some of their faces and then the top is jd and winona Ryder, and then like a gun like someone holding a gun next to it but that is jd i'm looking at it right now that is i'm JD looking at from it too on movie. ebay yeah <laughs> yeah that is jd from this movie because of the earring but that is not winona Ryder's hair in this movie <laughs> And she's like kind of hidden and being like a little sneaky. Um, it actually looks like some of that hair on her might not be real. But uh-huh. you know what? And then it's like the poll quote is the best. It's like, don't be surprised if it becomes a classic from uh-huh. Mike Clark at USA Today. I just I, I fell in love with that cover immediately. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones. I mean, look at this one, too. I just found. Kind of the same thing, but kind like, of the same that, thing. Look at that font. That font is strong. That feels it's like, like a, a Hellraiser font. That feels like an Eastern European edition to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I had to have it. Oof, look at this one. Look at that one. Ooh. Uh, folks at home, just just Google image Heather's VHS. Yeah, just go through it. Go through Um, but yeah, uh, another um, another movie that you had mentioned to me way back when. Because again, like at the top of this episode, I mentioned that we have been planning on doing this for quite a while. And by yeah. quite a while, I mean like it's been almost two years. It's been maybe more than two years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like we just kept we just kept meaning to get to it and we never did. And then finally, I realized that the 35th anniversary was fastly approaching. And thank God for that. I was like, this is the time to do it. Here we yeah. go. Uh, but you had asked me also um, that you also wanted to discuss another movie. Um Along with Heather's, uh, that you really liked, that I had heard of, that I had never seen, that I watched, and that I also really enjoyed. Uh, uh, do you, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you want yeah. to talk about Assassination Nation? Uh, so the the pull quote from Assassination Nation, which I love, is it's Heather's meets the Purge for the Me Too era, mm-hmm. <laughs> which um, which uh, sounds like it was written by a character from Assassination Nation, <laughs> <laughs> which does and fully got me on board. Um, I. I saw this movie, somebody just, uh, somebody just put me in a car and took me to a movie theater and took me to this movie without me knowing anything about this film. And, um, and I loved it. Um, uh, Assassination Nation is, uh, is a movie written and directed by Sam Levinson, who, uh, made a, a little known show called Euphoria. Um, uh, but this was before that. And, uh, and I love it so much. Um, and it's it's about uh, four young women who uh, uh, who are are going through how to say this. Uh, they're going through. Uh, uh, they're in a they're in a town uh, who turns against them because uh, somebody starts doxing people, and uh, they start to believe that it's one of these women. Um, uh, and it's I love it, and it and to me it is a it is a spiritual uh, successor to Heather's, um, but it also gets me really questioning um, this genre and gender. Um, 
Heathers is a movie uh, largely about women uh, made by two men. And Assassination Nation is a movie about women made by a man. And I I wonder why it is that um, that movies that turn women sort of uh, violent uh, aren't originating from women and why we two men are sitting here talking about them. What do you think, I mean, Mike? Uh, a very nuanced question. I would say my most blunt uh, answer would be a two-parter. Uh, one, easier for men to get projects made than women. Uh-huh. So Sam Levinson's like, I want to make this movie about this. And they're like, excuse me, it's about what? And it's like, yeah, I want to make it about this. They're like, well, you're a man. You can do it. You know how to direct movies. Unfortunately, that's I, I, that's how it, it's kind of how it works. And then also, uh, um, men are afraid of women. Um, f- period. Full stop. Uh, uh, most men. Um, and <laughs> turning them violent is like, I guess, a coping mechanism type of thing. And just like it's much more like as someone who has dabbled around with screenwriting, in the past, like I have always found it more interesting to have the main character or at the very, at the very least, like the protagonist of the story be female. Mm -hmm. Um, I have found like, I just have more, it's more interesting for me to kind of like, (laughs) this is going to sound terrible, uh, but like to, to kind of like map my thoughts and um, outlooks that I want to have this fictional character have I just find it a lot easier to kind of toss it onto pretty much the exact opposite of my identity. Uh-huh. It just makes it a lot easier to be able to kind of like not really connect with them in a certain way where it might lead to like a kind of blockage in writing and stuff when you're just trying to not like just copy paste your opinions and stuff onto characters. You're trying to create different characters. And especially with something like Assassination Nation, which is, you know, what you Heather's think of it? The purge for the Me Too movement. Um, <laughs> you know, that's like a topical thing where it's just like believing women and stuff like that. And like you can see why that would be interesting to a screenwriter, be them male or female. But you can kind of see how the heightened reality kind of genre bending twistiness that a male director, a male writer would bring to that would not only be interesting for that writer, but also for studios. Mm hmm. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do think that it's it's it, it it's a very odd. I, I was just watching another movie the other day where I was just like, this would have been so much more interesting if this was like, what was it? Fuck! Like it was just like, oh god, it'd be so interesting. Like they they've made these movies like a bunch of times, and it's never been um, helmed by a woman director. Um, I mean, you could fucking take most things, yeah. most things, right? <laughs> but there was one specifically where I was just like, "Fuck, that would actually be really cool." Because they, and it was something that like, it was like a very, it's a very male dominated, um, like franchise. I can't remember what the fuck it was, but that's interesting. A, that's a great story, Thanks, Mike. Mike. Yeah, great. <laughs> What'd you think of uh, Assassination Nation? I loved it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's loaded with like actors and stuff like that that like I'm like very much into uh, playing roles that like they normally don't. Like Joel McHale in the goddamn thing is like sure. so much fun. Yep. Because uh, he's doing like his like typical, you know, Chevy Chase like snob kind of thing, but then he also like 
gets really weaselly and just like pathetic, mm-hmm. um, which is usually not what he does. You know, he gets pathetic, but it's usually more for like comedic value. And this, like, he gets pathetic because you're just like, ah, oh, buddy, <laughs> you're not good. Early Bella Thorne, early Maud Apatow, early Bill Skarsgård. There's a lot of great mm-hmm. people in this. Coleman Domingo. Uh, rolling the fuck around. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maud Apatow is in it. Tony Winner and Ikanoni Rose. Shouts hey, out man. the Broadway bitch. Uh, you said Bill Skarsgård, right? Yeah. Yeah, Bill Skarsgård just like being a little cutie pie, even though he's got those creepy clown eyes. Yeah. Um. Uh. So so. It's interesting to think about sort of if 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 we're thinking about Assassination Nation as a as a as an update of Heather's, it's interesting to think about what they changed and what they kept. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a lot of violence in it. Spoiler. Much more because we live in a much more violent age, right? Uh huh. Um, doesn't happen at school. No. Um, which seems a little important in terms of uh, our our current moment. Um, uh, we have this group of four women who, uh, you know, in Heather's the the. Well, I, here's here's the question, right? Like in Heather's, like, are is is JD the villain or are the Heather's the villain? You're asking me what my answer on that is. I I would be open oh. to your answer. I mean, I think that that's like a rhetorical, like kind <laughs> of like you know, right? Like that's kind of like well, it's. I mean, I think I mean I think Heather's are the villain of society, and JD is the villain of Veronica's mind. On I mean, it's level, like right? the Dark Knight. Uh huh. Go like on. The, the mafia. The mafia. Well, like the can mob, you please compare it to Batman Returns instead? Um, n- n- no, because they don't really have a specific mob presence in that one. I mean, I guess I'm they just have trying to like keep on a, theme. Yeah, they have like um, what's his name, uh, Christopher Walken, like kind of like the business side of it. Like he's the villain, and Catwoman is the response. I was saying like Joker is the response to the mob and Batman in the movie. So I guess he's the villain, you know. And that's like JD is like. JD is like the the super villain that like is brought about because of the commonplace of evils that people like the Heathers uh actively um create and also like um not e- evolve but just like they just keep nurturing it so it gets bigger and bigger and spreads and becomes worse and worse and he's just kind of sitting there on the outside being like Ugh fuck this and then like just eventually (laughs) i mean i don't know what finally makes him snap if it is like talking to veronica and just kind of being like taking that first step like has he done stuff like this other places great question Um, you know did he have anything to do with his mother's death i think Um, not i think he's i think he's learning from his father i mean i think there's a father-son story there right yeah yeah um I, I mean, I, you know, it's the, it's the sort of, um, the, almost what has become a trope of sort of the avenging angel that takes it too far. Right. It's like the, and it's, and it's a very psychological idea, right? It's like, if you, if you give into that part of yourself, uh, then, then no good will come of it. But there's a certain point where like, if you stop there, <laughs> maybe that's okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the really bad kind of it's that it's that nasty elephant in the room and talking about this movie in like 
now um it's you know it's like these people that do these things which i do not understand but for the most part whenever they're able to speak about it if they are able to it is this kind of thing of just like they were fighting back against something yeah you know they're they're not right at all but like that was their point of view is that they were like they had been rejected they had been neglected they had been abandoned um and this was like their recourse they wanted to do because that's just what you do. And nowadays that's kind of just something that happens so often and is responded to so little um, by anything that could actually change it and matter besides like thoughts and prayers. Um, <laughs> you know, it is like an easy thing to turn to. Whereas like back in 1988, like that's kind of something where you're just like, wait, you're going to what? Yeah. You know what? Like in the very beginning when he just like, when those, uh, when Ram and Kurt, uh, first pick on him. He pulls a gun. Yeah, and he's just like, he's like, let me repeat myself. It just stands up. And <laughs> every time that happens when I rewatch the movie, I'm just Who like, Who does he think he is, Bo Jesus Diddley? Jesus fucking Christ. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. They're so good in that. Um, uh, yeah. There's, there, and, and, uh, and, and one thing I, I also want to give. Heather's credit for is uh, in 1988 talking about like college date rape, which Mm -hmm. I don't think was uh, sort of on the table of Mm -hmm. for movies to talk about, but they go to the college party and Veronica is expected to give it up and Mm -hmm. she doesn't. And, um, and I mean, this is, I guess the more controversial part, like her, like, like, yes, the, the college guy is the villain who is trying to like get it out of her and who's expecting it. And you don't deserve my fucking speech is a great line. Um, well, the uh, one that he has right before that too. He's just like, he's like, listen, I don't need to save hear the all speeches this. I from Malcolm X. I just want to get laid. And he just yeah. like taps his chest, like just laid, save the speeches for Malcolm X, buddy. um and then i mean why like the the whole the whole um alley scene of why do you have to be such a mega bitch um uh and where's where's my thanks i get paid in puke (laughs) lick it up baby Mm -hmm. lick it up i mean it's it's high camp and and like i should i should just like acknowledge like as a um like this this play this movie has a, a very special place in my heart as a gay man for high camp um uh, I mean, and a complicated there. place in my heart sure of course <laughs> yeah i can <laughs> because imagine. like you know it I, I was thinking about this today like is are the gay jokes in this movie a little bit like the blackface in uh tropic thunder where it's like you're actually parodying the idea of it they're a little bit like that but they're not quite enough like that to fully excuse them yeah. i think yeah it's the it's the whole thing of like it's that Quentin Tarantino argument where it's like he uses the N-word so much in his movies, but, you know, the argument for that, if one wishes to have an argument about it, which I think is a silly thing to engage with, uh, but it's that everybody that's saying it are bad people. Like, these are criminals. These are uh, murderers and rapists and just generally bad people. That's how they talk. And it's like, does yeah, that... Yeah, but the... I mean... Oh, does that make it okay? Like, to just well, keep... My- well, Mike Burge, mm-hmm. let's, I mean, let's talk about mineral water. Like, like, uh-huh. y- like you just continue to joke about mineral water, right? Mm-hmm. There's mineral water in the strength that we're drinking. Uh, yes. and, uh, and mineral water is 
actually, if you look at it, like a joke that our protagonists are making about gay people, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like and, this thing and, that's and like, and it's, it's hilarious. Oh, come on. In- Mineral waters come a long way, right? Exactly. Like our protagonists are making the joke and it's, and like, you know, I'm pretty sure that I don't know if they drop the F word. I don't think they do. The F word is thrown around a lot throughout the movie, but the, like, that mineral water joke, why I think it's so funny is like they set it up and it's ridiculous. And you're kind of like, is this just JD's thing because like of where he's from? Like, what does this even mean? And then the payoff is the cops. <laughs> the cops. And it's like uh, suicide. But why? And he pulls out the bottle of water. and He's like, does this answer your question? And, and then, then you get says, like another. Yeah, they were yes. fags. Exactly. And it's like, well, we could have done without that last sentence. But like, does this answer your question? Like, as far as like, just like kind of like set up punchline, like, I think that that's pretty funny. And it's just the fact that it's mineral water. Like, it's not something specific. That is something that's very specific. That's like, wait, what? What is that? And I actually actually, went on. they, um, They wanted to be more specific about it. They wanted it to be Perrier. Um, uh, they, they, this is, this is one of few films where, uh, uh, product placement wouldn't have anything to do with them. So that's why it's a snappy snack shack instead of a, uh, 7-Eleven. And that's why it's mineral water instead of Perrier. I mean, that's fine. I mean, when I was like, uh, developing this cocktail, I was like, well, mineral water must be involved. Um, <laughs> it's one of my but favorite. But you specified a movie. different mineral water. I Topo Chico is my go-to mineral water. I love that goddamn thing so much. And you know, I know you you're know, straight. How's that? Topo Chico. Topo Chico is straight, is it? I don't know. I mean, apparently Perrier is gay. So, I mean, that's. I mean, I just think that that's kind of funny. Is like that. I guess that would be something that's like. Are they trying to like joke around about like? Is it like fancier? Yeah, like then spark like that's what it is like, and they're yeah. just like, oh yeah, and you know, gay people fancy. And I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, I guess <laughs> we are. It's true. I mean, I don't know. I I, I can only speak from uh, my experience, but uh, most gay people I know are like rough little bitches. So it's it's more <laughs> like, I guess it's just like where you grow up and uh, the interactions that you have with certain people. I don't also really don't like fancy people. They kind of scare me. Cool. I, you know, yeah, I don't, I mean, like you are fancy enough. Like if that's what you're kind of digging for right now, I can, you're not saying anything, but I can see it in your eyes. And I'm always like, digging oh. for compliments, Mike. You yeah, know that. I, I get yeah, you. You are one of the fanciest people I know. Thank you so much. You're like the Perrier of my friends. <laughs> um, But yeah, this, uh, this, this movie has some homophobia to contend with. Uh, that I think in 1988 might have been a little progressive and in 2023 is a little regressive. And that's well, the, the nature of um, an aging comedy, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, kill all comedians is what we're doing these days. You know, you can't be, you can't even say anything without insulting somebody. Um, but it is like a, the whole, like the whole Ram Kurt of it all. You know, like the the joke within the movie is that these guys are your stereotypical football playing, um, date raping um, bullies uh, and like projecting them as like in the same way as when they kill the first Heather. It's like kind of positioning her as like not this like 
completely confident ego maniac, but like kind of destroying her credibility as like this soft, sensitive individual who felt like they were an outsider and had to pretend to be something else to even operate. Like they think that that's funny. And then that ends up like really connecting with everybody, you know, and it's kind of the same thing where it's like, well, wouldn't it be funny if like we were able to recontextualize these two like super homophobic bad dudes as like oh they were actually like star-crossed lovers who could not their love could not be known and like they think that that's funny and then like that ends up again like kind of everybody like it recontextualizes what they think about these two terrible people and everyone starts talking about it. it's like you know like uh the parents are like coming to terms with it and there's that great scene at the funeral where the um the little sister Ooh. like looks back and sees Winona Ryder uh laughing yeah and it kind of like just kind of uh, it's like a sobering joke cuz it's like not laugh out loud funny it's also just kind of more of like no it's just real- like look at the weight of this right it's like the realism like kind of uh, like inches in just for a little bit you know, and because the movie has like a very heightened reality to it in the way that rules operate and people talk to each other about things that like that's not something that you would say that's a little bit more heightened on how the school would respond to it and everything, but also is commenting on like how schools respond to this stuff. You know, like they have like this meeting that's all about bureaucracy and like time management and stuff instead of like addressing this very terrible thing that is like sweeping across the school. Sexual perverse photo graph exhibits involving tennis rackets yeah what's yeah that's good what's the what's the name of the magazine uh <laughs> he's got the mag because he's like eh, i got some stuff here and you know it's like god uh, I, I like that chocolates right. is one of them St- stud muffin i think stud muffin and that's good that's good um and the 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 I, like as a as a gay man in 2023, I'm also fascinated by the idea that curtain ram having a sword fight in your mouth is like super masculine and like super hetero. But the, the idea, but, but somehow, somehow crossing swords with that is fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's interesting to me. Well, it's like the whole thing of just like, you know, if you, um, you know, if you have sex with a man and you are a man in the middle of the woods and nobody sees it, is it gay? I feel like that's the joke that they're kind of making with that. I was like, well, as long as there's a, a chick there, it's yeah. fine. Um, I do love on that sword fighting thing too. the uh, Winona Ryder's Veronica's like, that's always been a do you want to make that a reality? That's always been a dream of mine. Like that kind of thing, like meet at dawn behind the high school. Like there's just something that's so yeah, you can write to penthouse for him. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, there's something that's just so funny about that, but also like, you know, like the like meeting like super early before school starts, like on the school grounds to like fool around. Like there's something about that that's like so like 80s, 90s kind of like, you know, before we all had cell phones and could communicate with each other. Like, where are you at? Like, there's just something about it. Like, it's very simple. But like when she's saying that, like, I just found it so funny. And there's like I I guess I think there's something for me as a gay man of of like the idea that these two guys really want to have a threesome is a little <laughs> gay and I love sure. that and like I love that they're super into that but super homophobic and that they come off as gay like like I do sort of love that justice. I mean, do um, you think that there is like any kind of like 
intentionally repressed characterization with them like you know they're like not beyond like, that oh, you man. know <laughs> like, like hugging each other and like when they're pushing the cow over like they're just having so much they just seem so much more interested in each other right and then again the there's girls. like yeah. a date rape like <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean it's kind of wild like like this um uh the idea that this movie in the late 80s was like re- calling out date rape is is pretty progressive right for 1988 sure i mean it's they're they're kind of like taking the spin on like you know it's that classic animal house thing where it's like you know him peeping in on that woman and then like looking back to the camera and being like here we go <laughs> like kind of thing where you're like yeah that's one of like that's one of like john belushi's like biggest on-screen moments across like his quick career that he had as like a comedy legend but now in context you're just kind of like what like it's one thing for him to be doing it and to have that be like the point of like the comedic um, moment in that scene, but like to bring us in on it as like, like voyeurs is like super weird. But again, like this is why like the woke establishment is just destroying everything. We can't even just have like funny little jokes. Everybody's going to get <laughs> pissed off about something. God. Um, okay. So, so Mike Burge. Hmm. Do you uh, would you recommend that a that a fifteen year old today watch Heather's, knowing that Winona Ryder was fifteen when she started filming Heather's? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that it Why? would depend on because it's a movie, and I think movies are important, and it's a good movie, which makes it even more important. I, I think it's it's satire, kind of points out a lot of the things that would help a younger person maybe realize how ridiculous some of the stuff that they actively participate in every single day. Um, You know, it's just like, it's, it's satire, but it's all about like, can a 15 year old today be able to like watch something that's, you know, an hour and 43 minutes and be able to retain the, the satirical elements of it and like what you're supposed to kind of take away from it. Or are they just going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe like it's it's that thing today, like as from what I can tell of like my interactions with uh, teenagers like on TikTok and stuff like that. And by interactions, I mean, seeing what they're posting and talking about and me not communicating with them because that's fucking weird. Um, it, it's like I, 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 I don't know if I would have full trust in a 15 year old's ability to be able to kind of comprehend exactly what a movie like Heather's is doing without getting um, mad at it or uncomfortable and kind of this movie's got virtual signaling all over it. Like if it's the first time you're watching it and you really want to kind of point something out, you can like, can you believe they used to make movies like this? Like we should cancel Winona Ryder right now for even being a part of this. Uh, uh, please, please continue. Tell me what's virtue signaling about this film. No, uh, there is a virtue signaling aspect to it that a viewer could get uh, out of a first time watch these days. Like from you what? Could just, from what? Be specific. Uh, any of the things that we've been kind of talking about, like bringing up like the date rape thing, bringing up the you know the homophobia of the movie. These are things that you can talk about and debate, kind of like what we're doing right now. But I do feel like you know this would be something that a teenager would like, you know, create one of those like TikTok videos with like the, the, 
like the words and stuff on him. He's just like, oh my God, guys, I just watched Heathers from 1988. And have you seen this scene? And it's are just you, like, are shows you being like, the digital readout of it? Yes, That's exactly. Great. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, and then just like show everybody like, you know, using like gay slurs and like them just like with a face, like, and then it's like, tick and it's got their name. Like it's virtue signaling maybe isn't really the best word for it, but it's like the sense of just like grabbing onto anything to be able to fight back against, to kind of show that you're an ally kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's something that a lot of younger kids do. It's something that uh, older people do as well. And it all kind of depends on where it's coming from. And the reason I'm using it as an example right here is that I think that Heather's, for the most part, in a lot of the stuff that it's talking about, is aware of those things. But just like what me and you have been talking about uh, for the past hour is like, I'm not exactly sure that they were aware that these things were kind of hurtful in and of themselves, even though they're trying to make fun of people who do this. Like Ram and Kurt are not the heroes of this movie. If anything, they're like one of the worst people in it. Like they're just like constantly there. And all they had to offer this school is date rapes and age jokes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like they're saying that these guys are right, but also maybe in the way that they go about it, And also, again, like the things that come from the protagonists and the police and stuff like that, you know, it's just kind of like adding to the fire of like what would piss somebody off about this movie these days. Um, But again, like it's a biting satire about teenagers in high school. And even though it came out 35 years ago, I still think I think I still think it has a lot to say about how kids interpret these gigantically devastating things that can happen to them and happen to their schools, be it suicide or, you know, uh, shootings and attacks. Uh, but also just like the bullying aspect of it, like that scene where like they're messing around with the nerds after the nerds are like sit and spin. And it just looks like he's about to like break the guy's arm. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of Until just cementing. Says, I like to suck big dicks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it even takes it a step further to get them to stop. Like they're bad dudes. And so when they're doing it again, it's that Tarantino thing. It's like, well, if they're bad dudes, like, is it really that big of a deal? And it's like, well, yeah, it's still a big deal, but it's more where it's coming from and what it's trying to do. And again, like we said, like in, in this movie, like it's kind of, the homophobia is kind of coming from all rounds, whether it's done for comedic effect or not. Like even like the dad scene at the funeral, like that's one of the biggest laughs in the movie. Like as far as like lines that people remember from this movie. And it's just because of like the ridiculousness of it. But there's also this kind of sweetness there too, because he's just like, I still love him. Like if you get down to the end, like of what they're doing in that scene, like they're gonna pay they're off. They're trying with a joke. to honor their sons as Exa- they yeah. as yeah. they knew, know them to be, right? Yeah. Um. So I wanna I wanna go on a little monologue about the television Please. show, just to tell people about uh, what it's about and uh, and where it goes right and where it maybe maybe goes wrong but maybe doesn't um so so heather's the tv show has been kicked around since heather's came out um uh initially they kicked it around right after the movies came out right after the movie came out and uh instead and and the the newly formed fox channel uh picked 
Beverly Hills High over it, which became 90210. So, uh, so Heather, uh, not McNamara, not Chandler, Heather Langenkamp. What? Heather Langenkamp. No, I'm looking for, uh, 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 I'm looking for Shannon Doherty's name in this film. Oh, that Heather. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't. Um, Shannon Doherty off the, won. Off basically. the top of my head, <laughs> I don't know. Shannon Doherty won. Uh, they picked nine hundred two one zero. But um, uh, but finally in twenty sixteen fifteen it got made, and t- finally in twenty eighteen it got released. And uh, Jason McLeff, I'm. Uh, I empathize with you. I'm sorry um, if you're if you're looking for a date. I'm single. I'm in the Hudson Valley. Look me up. Um, uh, so so this movie this 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 ten episode arc was made, uh, and and at the end there's a little teaser for season two, which is um, which is like French Revolution Heather's, which I'm fully into. Um, what? And, and sadly, that got sadly that TV show got canceled before they could re- really explore Damn that, it. and I'm 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 sad about that. And to go on a small tangent right now, um, uh, the 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 screenwriter was talking to Winona Ryder, who has been one of Heather's biggest advocates, which is one of the reasons I love Winona Ryder the most. Um, uh, Winona Ritter has has throughout her career been like, let's make Heather's two, let's do it. Uh, God bless her for doing that. And uh, and the creators of Heather sadly have not been as gung ho about it. And the screenwriter at one point was like, okay, Winona, here's an idea. Veronica goes to Washington D.C. Uh, she is a like page or assistant uh, to a senator played by Meryl Streep named Heather. Um, who uh, it turns out is just like a corrupt pawn in the system. And it ends with Veronica assassinating the president. And that's a good thing because it's Heather's. Um, <laughs> sadly, that hasn't been made. But yes, but and 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 joyfully, it sounds like Winona Ryder is still rooting for this uh, during the filming of. Mike, what is the movie with Winona Ryder and Meryl Streep? Uh it's an adaptation of a novel and it's foreign. And I think it has that guy from my left foot in it. Daniel day Lewis. Yeah. Julie, uh, spirits. Spirits. Okay. I mean, anyway. Winona Ryder isn't Winona Ryder and Daniel day Lewis in, um, the crucible, but that's not the crucible it. that I was like, Meryl Streep is not in the crucible. <laughs> um, uh, Winona Ryder and Meryl Streep were in a movie and Winona Ryder luckily pitched this to Meryl Streep and said that Meryl Streep was very kind about it and said, that sounds great. Uh, but looking back, Mer- uh, Winona Ryder feels like maybe Meryl Streep was just uh, placating her in a makeup chair. Um, yeah, just, being, just being nice, just being like a nice, just a being nice Meryl. person about it. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that that sequel will come to light because I want to see it. Um, but the TV show that came out in 2018 finally uh, is the the bold choice that it makes that um, that it maybe loses on, but is a bold choice is that uh, in today's society, in today's woke society, the Heathers are the outcasts. Um, so mm-hmm. the three Heathers of the television show are. Um, uh, like a, a plus size woman, um, a biracial 
bisexual woman and uh like a gender non-conforming uh 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 a fan um like like born born as male and uh mm-hmm. and and uh, identifying now as a heather um and it's kind of great and it's kind of problematic because the heathers are set out in this narrative to be villainized right so mm-hmm. you end up villainizing these people who are really woke which is interesting uh but gets into some murky territory um uh and I and and the the script for this television show feels a little like Assassination Nation in that it's like one of the most sort of like up to date. Let's look at exactly the moment that is happening right now and let's uh, at once celebrate it and skewer it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, things that I've seen, uh, and I'm I'm. Uh, just gutted that uh that the full season isn't available in the u.s but um if you're up for the dark web you can find it um, i mean uh, i really want to check out the show i'm looking at like the writers and yeah. do you know because i'm looking at i'm wondering like you know if it's dealing with retelling heathers like that and kind of um switching switching those roles up and stuff is like the behind the scenes like writers is it a because I, I recognize one name on there, which is Carrie O'Donnell uh-huh. uh, was a staff writer. And I follow Carrie O'Donnell on um, Twitter, who is um, an aggressively funny gay man. Um, so I'm wondering, like, do you know, like we all are. are. I, I, that's very true. I mean, wait, we're all aggressively all gay men. All gay men are aggressively funny. I see. I see. Um, uh, I'm wondering, like, do you are you familiar with? the writing staff and like the directors of this, like, is it a kind of like a uh, diverse crowd of people? That's not just like a bunch of straight dudes, like making these jokes kind of thing or great question. I don't know. I know okay. that the, um, that the creator is, uh, is a guy that I, uh, that I would be ready to date. That's all I know. And I think he's gay and Jason, Jason. like I said, yeah, he's known for Heather's the acolyte and butter. <laughs> seems pretty gay yeah um oh he's an executive uh, I, producer on elvis and nixon i love elvis and mm, yeah. oh oh elvis, elvis and, nixon. and nixon sorry yeah, yeah don't worry you'll <laughs> love that movie too it's like it's the sequel you know like uh that you you know who plays uh elvis in that movie who, who does michael shannon okay mm-hmm okay yeah. He's a theater guy. You know, He's this Broadway guy. bitch is ready for him. Do you know who plays Nixon? Who who plays Nixon? Kevin right? Spacey. Kevin Sp- <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> That's a can of worms. Isn't that fun? <laughs> um, That is a can of worms, Mike Burge. You like that, don't you? I, I don't know what to say about that, but I do like Heather's the TV show. There um, you go. Uh. I, I, I let me plug this a little bit more. Nine episodes mm-hmm. of the ten are available on Apple TV and wherever you buy your TV shows. And uh and and the great thing about it is it carries the spirit of uh the the pitch black comedy um about high school and at, like that includes murder and suicide into twenty eighteen. Um, and, uh, I think it, it does a really great job of sort of capturing the, 
semi-current moment, um, you know, pre-COVID, but um, the semi-current moment of affairs into a thing. Um, and like I said, the 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 tenth episode is fully not available, but if you know about the dark web, you can find it. And the there's one other episode that's like a. Um, I'm just gonna spoiler a little bit if that's okay, Go but I'm not gonna do it unless I have your nod. Go for it. Great. Um, uh, there, there's, there's like episode six or seven is, uh, is a school shooter drill at school, and um, it, uh, it is, it is from the point of view of JD, um, mm-hmm. and it feels like a video game, so it's like a first person shooter like experience of this uh, Jesus <laughs> Jesus indeed Mike um I don't I, I think that what we need is to talk about this and I think we're so scared to talk mm-hmm. about this and I think that this show is talking about this and the fact that that episode was censored in the US down from like 47 minutes to 36 or whatever um is an example of like, like the one of the many reasons that we are stuck in this loop is because we're not able to con- confront these things and talk about this. Um, and here is a show that is trying to talk, talk about these things and was literally not allowed to air in the USA. Uh-huh. Um, so I encourage anyone who is up for a strange Google to find these things on the dark web and, uh, experience this full season, which is not without its problems, but with it, which is pretty fun. Um, and to, to, to take it back to, to the film, um, uh, Veronica is not blameless in the TV show in a pretty interesting way. And I don't think she's blameless in the, in the movie, but, uh, but she's a little more sinister in the TV show and she was originally going to be more sinister in the movie. And when they cast Winona Ryder, uh, uh, they rewrote it for this person who could be a little bit more of an avatar for the audience, mm-hmm. uh, which I think changed the movie in, in an interesting and, and pretty cool way because we actually have a way in now as opposed to, uh, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you like Mike Burge being complicit in a film? Like as far as the like the protagonist being a kind of like stand like a stand in for like my experience kind of thing. Yeah, or? like what if the protagonist that you've been on the journey with does something that um that from society's point of view is a bad thing? I mean, I love it when that's done correctly. Uh, that's like literally something that we were just talking about um a couple weeks ago about um uh the Last of Us uh because that series. The series finale aired and it was me and Robbie who have played the games and are aware of this kind of um, uh, uh, divisive debate about the games, uh, certain things that happen in the game. Which features, like, which features Heather's 2 slash Assassination Nation's Bella Thorne. There you go. Um, and it's uh, the conversation, like me and Robbie have been a part of that conversation for a bit. And now it's like sparking back up because of the popularity of the show and more people being exposed to the kind of big question that the first game and this first season of the show kind of present. And Bernadette and um, uh, Diana had not 
played the game. So they weren't aware of like what this was and what this conversation is. And one of the things that I really like about and I'm not going to spoil anything with The Last of Us for anybody who maybe hasn't played the game or caught the show, doesn't want it spoiled, but um, it's a very good show. Highly recommend it. It's two of the best games ever made. Uh, even if you don't like video games, I think you'll really be into it. Um, Is Pedro your daddy? Uh, no, I don't think we're allowed to do that anymore. Uh, he's getting uncomfortable, so we're trying to respect his boundaries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can't You can't even call people daddy anymore. Um, unless they want you to. And Pedro Pascal seems like he does not want to do that anymore. Okay. Uh, we're making him uncomfortable. He leaned in uh, for a moment. He did. And I think that he realized, like, probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> um. But not like one of the things uh, there's like uh, there's a uh, a very big moment in that game where, you know, and with a video game, you are actively playing as the protagonist. There's the story and there's things in the story that you really can't control as it's moving forward. But you are playing as the character, picking things up, talking to people and doing all of the action. So there's this kind of um, like a cognitive dissonance that kind of happens where it's like when this character is doing things, you feel like you're doing them. And the game kind of plays with that a little bit in the sense of like when the character, when you are kind of forced to do something in the game and it's not a cut scene, it's not like it just happens, like you are forced to press the buttons to do this thing that a moral good person might not, would definitely not want to do, but there's reasons for it. And that's kind of the big debate is like, was that justified in what that character does? And the entire point of that happening is the debate around it. Like, it's a very nuanced conversation to have as far as like, where does that come from? What does it mean? Why would we do that? And the fact that it's a video game, the video game version is much more in depth because you are controlling it and actively doing it. Whereas when you're just watching the show, that's your protagonist and they're going along and doing something. You've learned to care for them. You've learned to know, get to know them a little bit and possibly know what they're capable of. And then this moment happens and it kind of changes everything up. So I do like it when something like that is done well. Um, it's the whole thing of like an anti-hero kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like I like the character of Veronica as portrayed by Winona Ryder. Because uh. I, I do like that she is kind of this nice person who has just been kind of going along with this like morally reprehensible shit because she's like, I want to be popular. Like, isn't that what's well, important? Sure. But I think that, that what the movie does brilliantly is uh Winona Ryder is not fully complicit in the death of Heather Chandler, but how do you as an audience member feel when Heather crashes into that glass coffee table? It's a human being. Like, and I feel like they, they treat it like that too. Like in that moment, do you Where it's just like I think Do so? I, I, I don't know. That, like, Corn nuts, and she goes. Well, I mean, it's still funny in all of the ways that like you would want it to be, as far as like the dark, the dark comedy, like satire of it all. But like when she crashes through the table, like that's like this little kind of this like really uh, nasty cherry on top of like the situation and it just kind of makes it a little bit more real. It's kind of a lot like the, the little sister scene at the funeral where it's just like this, this little thing just kind of pops out there. And like, it's funny in a way because you're just like, Oh shit, you weren't expecting that kind of haha. But then you're also forced to consider it even just for a moment. Like, Oh, that's kind of like brutal. 
Like and she didn't just add, she like, didn't just drink the poison and then die. Like she smashes through a glass table. Yeah. Well, but to be fair, like right after that, we get the we as an audience get the release of I'm gonna have to send my SAT scores to San Quentin instead of Stanford, right? Like mm-hmm. we like we get um uh we're back on her side pretty quickly. Yeah, well, because like she's got that out, you know, and it's the I same didn't thing know she this had. was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it, it's kind of left up to you. Like, how cognitive was she when she picked up that glass? You know, like she's the one that picks up the glass. Like she picks up the cup that has the 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 rust away in it or whatever. And then JD like maybe goes to like stop her, but then keeps going. And it's just like, well, uh, how did did she actually know? And she can kind of get away with that stuff. And then it's even more intense with the um, I'm lying bullets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, then it's like after that, she like breaks. Like that's pretty much like right after that is like she's like, we can't fucking do this shit anymore. Right. And to be fair, that curtain ram sequence is is harrowing. Right. Yeah. It's like like there's there's very little that it's actually fun about curtain ram dying, except that they're in tidy whiteies, which. Um, as a gay man, I appreciate, and I think as sure. as 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 eighties is accurate, but as nineties is very strange to me. Um, uh, <laughs> Daniel Waters said that the first line that he wrote for this screenplay was, uh, "That knife is filthy." Oh yeah, is... what are we? I'm gonna take out our tonsils, right? <laughs> um, which I think is a great, a, like a fascinating starting point for this. Uh, strange and convoluted story. Yeah, this like like the the kind of um, like superficiality and immaturity, you know, of the situation where it's just like you guys are so just like obsessed with yourselves and your own worldview across the board. The Heather's, Veronica, JD, everybody, um, you're just so obsessed with yourself that you can't even like realize like how ridiculous the situation is that you're putting yourself into, or what you just said, how ridiculous that is. I like I, I I both agree and disagree. I think mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that that there's this sense of attention must be paid. Um, that that JD actually sort of acknowledges that like if Heather McNamara is gonna die, um, if sorry if Heather Chandler is gonna die for her sins, then it's gonna be with a clean knife. Right. That like, actually it he, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That he like understands that like, uh, that like the the proper respect is to do it with a clean knife and to do it beautifully. Uh, Duke. In that point, it's Duke. Sorry. Yes. Um. Uh. Uh. Shout out to Shannon Doherty. It's Duke. Sorry, Shannon. Um, we got there. We got there. Uh. But I think there's there's something that's actually reverent. For his point of view, that's like she's a she's a a mega bitch. She's um, but she's uh, but she's worked her way up to be a mega bitch, and she desire she deserves to die with a clean knife. I'm slurring, and this is what it's absolutely a- what the show. This is, is what a- after drinkers, over drinkers, <laughs> over drinker after drinkers. That's pretty good. <laughs> We could um, rebrand. This is what Overdrinkers is about, mm-hmm. don't you think? 
I mean, yeah, that's the, I, I have fun doing these. That's why I keep doing them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike just has been drinking coffee and I've been drinking more liquor. So I yeah, oh, I'm, I'm onto water now too. So <laughs> um, you got to stay hydrated. You got to stay awake. You got to stay ready. Well, at all I times. wish you told me that before this episode, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> um, so uh, starting to wrap up, was there any other major things that you wanted to talk about as far as like Heather's or the general conversation around it? Uh, we've covered a lot of covered a lot of it. We've covered all, a lot of it. All my um, notes are pretty much checked off. Yeah. Love that. Uh, like. So so you've you said that you've said that for a current 16 year old, 15 year old, you would recommend this movie. Uh that having been said, what do you think that um, current events from the past 30 years have done to this film? I mean, a lot like what I said before. It's like it's made it a lot more um, – it's made it a lot more volatile to enjoy. There's like a kind of um, – there's like a little guilt that you can get out of like – that you can feel out of watching it and laughing at it because it is – it is so well made and the comedy is like very well timed and you know, all the stuff in the movie that is like funny and kind of operating outside of those things that haven't aged all that well, be it the different types of violence or the slurs and homophobia, like all the other things about it, like making fun of your dad for being an idiot or like, you know, wanting to date somebody, but not knowing how to talk to them. Like all of that stuff is very funny and cutting at the same time as you're getting all of these other things. And so like, you know, you're laughing at one thing and laughing at another. And then all of a sudden this one thing comes up and you're like, Oh, you know, but like also like, at least for me, I'm just like, that's also kind of funny. It's not right. But like the, the school bombing at the end is just like, he's got like these like Looney Tunes esque bombs and stuff that are just like sticks of dynamite put together. And he like built these like, time codes and stuff like that there's a scene where he has to like smack it to like get it to start working again <laughs> you know it, so it's like like anything that is going to age especially with comedy um there's going to be uh peaks and valleys within both the movie itself when you're watching it and also within like the decade or the generation that you're watching it in it's it's gonna constantly evolve and change and i think you know, the proof is in the pudding with Heathers and the fact that it's like they're talking about making a sequel. They just made a TV series. They made a musical. It's a cult classic. You say Heathers to most people, even people that aren't like major cinephiles or really into like older movies, older movies, quote unquote, like they know what Heathers is like. They might not have seen it, but they're like aware of it. And I think to be fair to Heathers, the movie um the sequel was talked about, I think, in the 80s and 90s, just to be, to be I, fair. Someone's talking about it, you know, like with the fact now that like the TV show hit so many like speed bumps and stuff with having to like navigate around all of this stuff. Um, definitely probably put it on ice for a little while. But like the story of Heather's like it's a brand you can redo it and have something that you can just jump right back onto, And it's also something that's still topical. You know, like and these- I, like I think the thing that the thing that keeps me alive about it is that um is that beyond being a brand, it's like it's like this um 
the satire that is very truthful that I actually wish would live on. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like I actually, I, I think, and um, more than think I like, f- like uh, posit that there's need for this viewpoint moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I loved what you said about the show. And it's like, we don't want to talk about these things and they keep getting pushed to the side. And it's like, especially with something where the intentionality of Heather's is to kind of just like, like, you know, open the wound and like, look at it, look at it. You have to look at it. Yeah, it hurts to open up the wound, but it's like, that's how you clean it. That's how you discover how bad it is and how to fix it and stuff like that. And people don't want to do that because half the country is like, if we're talking about like an American issue, which it primarily fucking is like half the country just wants to avoid the reality that these things happen and point them towards something else because they want to play with their little pew pews. Like they, that's it. Like, it's just like all it is. And it's like, that's why it's so infuriating because it's about something that's just so objectionably wrong and silly and stupid. When you want your little, you want your little things that shoot little things out of it, big boy. Like it's so silly and ridiculous. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I know I have tons of friends and uh, even more family members that, like, you know, collect guns and are big gun heads and stuff. And that's absolutely fine. As someone who collects a bunch of shit, I get the obsession with it and stuff like that. But, like, nobody is fucking walking in to a school with a bunch of Mondo records and copies of Heathers on VHS and fucking up people's lives forever. Like, it's that's just not how it works. Um, but I, I like that's I, I do agree with you on, like. The Heather's like biting dark comedy satirization of these things is a way to go in and to be able to talk about it. But it's such a touchy situation that people just uh, studio probably like big studios, people who are in charge of like, is this thing going to be successful? Is this thing going to make money? Is it going to make waves? They're going to be like, oh. I don't know like come on can't you just like make people laugh about like how mean teenage girls are to each other like that's probably their outlook on it I love that I love that um, I love the 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 finger point finger pointing is is rude I love the um, the calling forward of uh of the things that are going on in society uh, uh, compared to the things that are, um, that are like disenfranchised from society. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, let me ask you a question. Okay. If Heather's were made today, what would it be? I mean, it would probably be like the show that you just watched. I mean, I feel like that's like a really fun way to like, you wouldn't want to just remake it. I think it's very interesting what you're saying that they did in the show where they kind of like inverted like the, the hierarchy of who the Heathers are to the rest of the school. I think that that's really nifty and uh, sounds like it could be really funny and socially biting in like different ways. It kind of opens it up, you know, it's. We live in a world where, like, 
on TV and in film, you can have a much more diverse collection of characters who have a much more diverse collection of emotions and experiences. And with something that's biting at society and culture and how we treat young people and how young people think that they deserve to be treated or are being treated, diversifying that up just makes it so, you know, especially for a TV show, it's way more time to be able to explore way more things instead of just being popular and not liking popular people. On air and for my new boyfriend, Jason McLeff, uh, are you going to watch this TV show? Heathers? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to watch it now. Yeah. Yeah, I kept meaning to try and watch it for the episode. And then I was just like, I don't know if I have enough time to be able to pump in nine episodes and then track down this episode on the dark web. Well, and you got to like to do it right. You got to track down episode six or seven or whatever it is. Exactly. You want to get it just right. So I think I'll probably try and find it all. And I wonder if they sell it on DVD. They, oh, oh, trust me, they don't. Oh, I bet they don't. Yeah. I'm sure I can track it down. But no, I'm interested to see it now because, like, that's a fan of DVD. Trust me, they don't. I've I've looked for this, I've Mm -hmm. waited for it, and, uh, and I've had to go to like, uh, those those shady websites to find to find a complete. A I mean, complete sometimes TV you show just got, sometimes you gotta it. go to some bad websites. <laughs> um, Mike, uh, what do you like? Did this make an impression on you as a high schooler watching it for the first time? Oh, probably not in the way that um, it probably should have. Like. Back when I was in high school, I was watching movie after movie after movie and just trying to catch up uh, and watch a lot of like the cult classics and stuff like that from anywhere from like, you know, the 50s up and especially the 80s because like those were much more kind of like present in the late 90s because like those are like the classics. And Let's talk about that approach. So what um, with that approach of like flooding yourself with information, like mm-hmm. did uh, did anything make an impression? Sure. Yeah. But it's What's all it? about like it's it's all about ones that really stand out. Like you get your you you get your masterpiece movies and your great movies and your good movies, which I think that um Tell me, tell me, tell me. Heathers for me would fall on like that's a great movie. And it's again, like watching something like that, I can't remember the exact moment in time that I watched it and what my situation was that I was watching it around, what I had just watched, what I, what I was currently watching. But I can say that I was most definitely affected by like the level of dark humor and stuff. Cause that was probably around the time that I was watching more recent, like dark comedies, like death to smoochie and, um, you know, disturbing behavior, like these kind of late nineties, early aughts movies. Uh, I, I, I just have to go on record saying I love disturbing behavior and Heather's is like far and above a better film. Do you oh, agree sure. with me? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Disturbing great. behavior is like is like fucking candy corn. Like that is old candy that was made 30 I, years I ago. I love Disturbing. I love yeah. I love Joy Potter. I love her use of razor as a like yes. like I love the 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 new identity of let's make up some uh some tween uh vocabulary but yeah, razor. But yeah. <laughs> ain't got nothing on, no, on no. Heathers, right? No, not at all. Um, all right, we gotta we gotta wrap up. We're going over. Um, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, before we close, we do this thing on over drinkers now at the end, where on the um, 
on the uh, app Letterboxd, uh, you can go to a film and you can go all the way down to similar films. And one of the categories in there is nano genres. Yeah. So I pull up the nano genre and we pick the very first category okay. uh, and kind of just go through and see if we've seen any of these uh, movies. Um, yeah. This is a big one. Uh, so uh, the first one is Teenager Geeks Stereotype. I just want to pause for a second before uh-huh. you list these off. And I want to tell you what I think is most uh, uh, inspired by Heather's. And I want to okay. list off like Jawbreaker and uh, uh, Mean Girls and mm-hmm. Assassination Nation. Continue. Gotcha. Yeah. It looks like Mean Girls is on here. Okay. Uh, Never Been Kissed. <laughs> I like that movie, but in a very different way. Yeah. She's all that. I like that movie, but in a very different way. Yeah, Do you th- like that movie? Are, I like She's All That just fine. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. fan of like the 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 Shakespeare kind of And the thing screenwriter's like younger brother right, wrote He's All That, which there is a go. connection. Ten Things I Hate About You, that Shakespeare stuff still. I don't love you. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. Can't Buy Me Love. I've never heard of that. I'm sorry. Can't Buy Me Love. That one's great. Is it? Tell me yeah. about it. Pitch it Can't to buy me. me love. Can't buy Pitch me it love. To me, Mike. Uh, which uh, is that? What what what? That's a uh, another so like uh, Shakespeare. It sounds like it sounds like of, you um, can't pitch it to me. Oh, it's like your classic. Um, uh, what is it? I'm trying to remember because they switch the genders around and all these all the time. So I think it's like a loser boy, uh, in high school, pays uh the popular girl at school to date him and make him cool. Let the record state that I am crossing my arms at this. You can cross your arms at it. It's fine. It's a, a, actually um, Diana DeMuro, the love of my life, wrote a really good article about it that you can read on storiescreenbeacon.com. Mm-hmm. Amended. I respect her. There you go. Clueless, book smart. I love those. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had that software that let me know what was matching because I'm colorblind. And I wish that I had like a, a software that would let me know what, what clothes to wear, what clothes. And then, of course, you've got Breakfast Club. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I look, Mike, Mike, let's be real. Do you think that it's fair to uh, compare Heather's with John Hughes films? Uh, Kind of. There is like a John Hughes like. Oh, that's interesting. Because there, I is mean, I kind think Heather's like, is inspired by John Hughes very films, much. But I think vi- it's like the think next level, right? It's using the vibe and the expectations of a John Hughes film to subvert what they're talking about, right? Like that's kind of where the satire is coming from. Uh, 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 Mike Burge, um, if you were to list off some movies that you think are like Heather's, what would they be? Assassination Nation. Yeah. Hmm. Um. That's so specific. Like, uh, right. That's the goal. Of like, like you said it too. Like Jawbreaker, definitely. Um, sure. Maybe Do you even like something that one? like, yeah, I love Jawbreaker. Sure. Uh, maybe even something like Election. Okay. Um, what do you think about like uh, Wild Things? Well, Wild Things is kind of a completely different little beast, but there's definitely a lot of Heathers in there for sure. You know, that's. Okay. I'm I'm more kind of trying to stick to like high school oriented dark comedy with some type of satire to it. Like, um, to be fair, Wild Things is in high school. 
Continue. To be fair, it is, but primarily a lot of it takes place in um, a really nice looking swimming pool. Um, <laughs> a lot of it being the two minutes that you remember. Continue. Yes. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those are the zones that I have. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, like, Jawbreaker is like one of the biggest ones. And how do you think Jawbreaker stacks up with Heather's? Comparatively, I think Heather's is better. I mean, it's kind of the OG, you know. It's good. I think those are all good movies. Those are all good movies. Those are all good movies. Heather's inspired a lot of great things, and I and I think like the we're right now we're listing off things that are like really uh, familiar and uh, and and have a great debt to Heather's, but I think like things like. Mean Girls and uh, and other things that are really popular also have a debt to Mean Girls. Uh, sorry, also have a debt to Heather's that um, uh, that that lets you know the reach of Heather's in a way. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, uh, we mentioned it kind of like right at the top too. It's like when this movie came out in 1988, there weren't really a whole lot of movies that were like this on these like kind of specific levels that Heather's is hitting. It was kind of the first to do what it was doing the way that it was doing it and be as successful at it. It was kind of the first response to John Hughes, right? Probably like definitely one of the earlier ones because like in the late 80s, that's when John Hughes's power is like truly becoming manifest and he's like and I have becoming to, like a like, household name. <laughs> um and I have to give credit to the to 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 Daniel Waters that that not only was he responding to John Hughes movies, but he was responding to uh, the second sex. He was he was going a little bit deeper and saying like, "What is the what is the literary canon that I can sort of talk about?" Um, yeah. He was. Uh, it it wasn't just like a let me watch these four eighties rom coms and respond to them, but it was like let me read the literature and talk about what's going on underneath this. Yeah, um, and that to me as a little queer boy, it was very important. Okay. Again, it's like the the John Hughes cinematic language was how I think a lot of people were expecting to see how teenagers in high school were portrayed on film. And so if you're going to make a movie that is satirizing that and kind of subverting that, what better way to enter than to just kind of try and uh, match the, the, the tropes and the tones and the vibe of those John Hughes movies and then just immediately start subverting it by having them say extremely weird words and start killing each other. Okay, Mike, um, Molly Ringwald versus Winona Ryder, go. At what, fighting? <laughs> no, at like you, the place in your heart. Uh, Winona Ryder. Why? Uh, I think she, Winona Ryder was still just a little bit more present than Molly Ringwald was in the 90s, uh, which is when I was growing up. So it's like, uh, those were also movies that I would watch more often. Things like Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, uh, Mr. Deeds. Um, whereas Molly Ringwald's movies were pretty much already done by the time the 90s rolled around. And they were all, even though they were teen movies, they were all rated R. And like I wasn't really hitting them until I was older. So to be fair, dear listeners, he's he's aging himself. And yes. maybe somebody born in the decade before he was would have a different answer. Yeah, very true. Okay. And again, no disrespect to Molly Ringwald. Absolutely love her. She she popped up in a TV show that I was watching 
recently too, like in a single episode, and she was fantastic. What was it? Do you remember? I can't remember. I mean, I'm probably I'll look I'll look it up. Uh, but then we have to stop. We are going way over. I'm sorry, I, not sorry. No, no, th- this is fun. You know what? It it makes sense because we've been putting this off for so long, you know, and we've just got all this all this pent up energy. Um, was it in the oh, bear? It's the bear. The bear was yeah. it. She's the moderator at um an AA meeting, and she's just like in one episode, and she just she showed up, and you're like, is that fucking Molly Ringwald? And she just slays it. And then, like, is out. And I'm like, fuck yeah. I hope she comes back in the second season. Well, I hope, my hope for the world, Mike Burge, is that there is more content that is like Heather's, that is ready to take on uh, the the true issues of the day and not be afraid of them and not be afraid to talk about them openly. Absolutely. I mean... And why not have like a little bit of fun with it while you're doing it too? Why not? One of the, one of the best quotes I love from the creators is like, we, we wanted to write a, a story about these deeper issues and we never, we always let a cheap laugh get in front of that. Mm -hmm. And I love that model. And that's good. You should let that cheap laugh get in front of there because that's right. uh, It's like, let's talk about teenage suicide and how it's being glorified. But but before that, let's make sure that we make people laugh. And it, I feel like that's kind of just like, you know, a little bit of like a little bit of soda to help the night cool go down kind of thing. Like it's that little sweet before the thing that you're not looking forward to, the thing that you don't want to talk about. And maybe that'll help some people that have been pushing this off where it's like, no, but it's it, like, like, it's not funny what we're talking about. And we're trying to respect what we're talking about. But for God's sake, it's insane. Like, come on, let's talk about it. But like, again, just a little bit of fun. Do you like Big Fun's uh, big hit, Teenage Suicide, Don't Do It? I do not. Ooh. I don't. <laughs> Every time they played it in the movie, I was like, this is a bad song. <laughs> it doesn't make okay. any sense. It's not she a real song, it. is it? <laughs> um, I, there is a full version of it. But it was written for the movie. For sure. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wait, is this like an actual Teenage thing? Suicide. Don't, do, Don't it. do it. Teenage suicide. She blew it. I'm sure that that is prominent in the musical. Uh, strangely, it's not. But um, oh, well, I guess so. All right, fine. But Can't I give have you credit for, for guessing. Okay. All right. Well, Scotty, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Heathers and a bunch of other wacky shit. Thank you so much for having me on. I love talking about this stuff with you. Yeah, we're going to have to come up with another one that we'll record in like two years. Deal. Perfect. <laughs> or less. Or le- hopefully less. Maybe we can do like a, a nice summer movie. There you go. Uh, and thank you, dear listener, for dear listening. Um, remember everything I said at the top, storyscreenbeacon.com for a bunch of content and stuff like that. Check it out. Loads of other episodes on Story Screen Presents. And also we have our Patreon up now at the posting of this episode uh, under Story Screen Presents. Uh, we have multiple tiers that get you multiple things, exclusive content, exclusive podcasts. We already have uh, close to about 63 episodes just uploaded up there already covering the filmographies of Tony Collette and Robert Pattinson, John Carpenter, some video game adaptations. If you um, don't give money to story screen, I'm going to assume you hate Tony Collette, which is a gay crime. I mean, that's why we made that our first series. We were like, well, who can deny this? They'll be ousted yeah. as bad people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Tony Collette's been on Broadway says the Broadway bitch. Get into we, it. We, we need to, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to revisit her newer movies too because we finished that a while ago and now we're waiting for a couple more movies to like rack up and then we're going to hit M- Mafia Mama. 
I do have her monologue from uh uh from the Ari Aster movie saved on my phone, and I just text it to people sometime. Good. Sometimes I am I your think it's, mother. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good, and it it really catches people by surprise. They really yeah. think I'm, yeah. I'm. Don't you talk I'm, to me like that, you little shit. Yeah, you know about it. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, so make sure you uh, jump over there, pick a tier that works for you. There's even one that's just a dollar a month that just like helps us keep the lights on and support our staff and everything like that. And get but to go be bigger, able to do go some bigger. Big thing. Yeah, go bigger. Five dollars a month, ten dollars a month. You can do whatever you want. Give us money. Think about please. how much you give to the thing that you spend money on, the thing that you don't need, and give that. Yeah, and you just set it to automatic payments. You just forget about it. Just forget about it. You don't even have to listen to the podcast. Just like forget about it. Just forget about it and pay it because Mike's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and that's that. Uh, thanks again, Scotty. Thanks again, listeners. And we will catch you next time on the next Overdrinkers, whatever it may be about. Thank you, folks. Bye. Bye.